As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. In a warm welcome to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I love coming back to the heartland. I think people in the heartland sometimes don't get the attention that people on the two coasts do. Why travel to a battleground state 41 days before the election? Uh, I came to talk about the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. Campaign have any role in that? None. President Trump's Secretary of State makes a rare foreign policy speech at the Wisconsin State Capitol less than two months before Election Day. Critics call it a thinly veiled campaign stop. Today on Open Record, Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi sits down one-on-one with U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, here with my colleague Amanda St. Hilaire. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brian. Today is Thursday, September 24th. We are now just 40 days from Election Day, and the Trump campaign continues to make Wisconsin a heavy focus with a flurry of recent visits, from the president's son to Vice President Pence to President Trump himself. Even Attorney General William Barr was in Milwaukee on Tuesday. But a Wednesday visit from one of the president's most influential cabinet secretaries was billed by the administration as official business, while Democrats slammed it as a potentially unethical campaign speech. And Brian, we've gotten questions from viewers since we raised that point, that argument about the true nature of uh, Secretary Pompeo's visit. Why would it be a problem for him to be campaigning. And of course, that goes back to federal law, the Hatch Act. And and that says that obviously uh, sitting cabinet secretaries cannot be campaigning uh, during, uh, really at any time, especially during election season here. And, And we know that traditionally secretaries of state have done their speaking internationally and their travel. They don't make a lot of domestic stops to give speeches. They tend to travel to other countries. It's not unprecedented for other cabinet secretaries to travel and speak domestically because they may well have official business that relates to specific things that are happening in certain states or certain locales, but the Secretary of State's business is international relations. And so to be making a speech in Madison, Wisconsin about something that has, uh, you know, international uh, meaning or importance is certainly very unusual and could potentially be deemed as political. And Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi asked Secretary Pompeo about that right off the bat in his interview. So let's get right to that. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Secretary, for your time. Uh, Why travel to a battleground state 41 days before the election? Uh, I came to Wisconsin for the same place, uh, same reasons I've gone to New York and California and all across the country, communicating to ordinary Americans the importance of uh, what we're trying to do, uh, America first, and how President Trump is delivering on good security outcomes. Today, in particular, I came to talk about the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, It's here in Wisconsin. I came because Senator Roth had an outreach from the diplomat and consulate in Chicago, 
And what that diplomat tried to do was to undermine the way of life for ordinary people right here in Wisconsin. I wanted to talk about that challenge. It's not a, it's not a partisan issue. There's a bipartisan consensus that the Chinese Communist Party poses a threat. I wanted to come talk about what the United States State Department is doing. And I love coming back to the heartland. I think people in the heartland sometimes don't get the attention that people on the two coasts do. They have every right to know precisely what it is America's State Department is doing. I know some of the Democrats have been saying this looks like a campaign event. You know, it's 41 days before the election. They're saying that this is violating the norms and also the rules of uh, diplomacy. I know you put out a, a wire back in the summer that said, you know, there shouldn't be any observation that this looks like uh, diplomats are getting involved with partisan politics. Yeah, I came here today to deliver an important foreign policy speech about the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. That obligation continues every single day while I'm Secretary of State. Campaigns come, campaigns go. The obligation to keep the American people safe continues every single day. You warned the country and warned Wisconsin about the threat that Chinese communists play, and you said they even are at the local level. Is that happening in Wisconsin? It is. Uh, it's happening all across the country. When the federal government pushes back, the Chinese Communist Party tries to circumvent that. So they go to uh, city councils and county commissions and state legislatures and to PTA meetings, uh, trying to influence how Americans think about the threat that's posed by this predatory activity. We, we love the Chinese people. What the Chinese people are, are desirous of are the same thing the American people are desirous of. But the Ch Chinese Communist Party is working diligently to undermine, to use predatory economic activity that destroys tens of thousands of jobs right here in Wisconsin. So we have a responsibility to make sure that every elected official and frankly, every business leaders all throughout Wisconsin understand the challenge, are aware of the threat, and engage in the kind of behaviors that will preserve prosperity for the people of Wisconsin. Mr. Secretary, what about the election? How, how are the Chinese getting involved with meddling maybe in our election as well? Well, we are very mindful of international threats to the security and safety and the fair conduct of our election. It's, Certainly, we're worried about China, we're worried about Iran, we're worried about Russia. Our FBI and our Department of Homeland Security will deliver a free and fair election that uh, doesn't uh, permit them to actually interfere in the outcome. The, the Chinese Communist Party has certainly tried to have an influence on that. They try to undermine the very bedrock of our nation and our democratic principles. Uh, Trump administration is working diligently to prevent that. And I'm confident that just as we did in 2018, when there was not a non-presidential election year, those countries were trying to interfere then. We stopped them from doing that. I'm confident we'll deliver that again. And are we confident that the election results, we can trust those election results, whatever it comes on, on the week after election when all these votes are counted? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of issues around ballot counting. I, my, my mission is to make sure that uh, outside influence doesn't impact how uh, the American people are thinking about it or that they have the ability to do something which would actually impact uh, a ballot count or something like that. I'm, I'm confident we can prevent international interference in that. What's the one issue that keeps you up most at night? You know, we're just focused on a broad array of issues that have to do with American prosperity and security. Uh, President Trump talked about America first. When we deliver America first, we are a force for good all across the world. And so we need to get the economy going after the uh, challenges that are presented from this virus that uh, broke free from Wuhan because the Chinese Communist Party covered up what they did there. Uh, we, we need to get the global economy back going. Uh, and then we've just been incredibly focused on making sure that freedom, uh, and predatory activity that imposes on that freedom is not something the United States will turn, our, turn the other cheek. And that's, of course, the China challenge here today. You mentioned China covering up the dangers of COVID-19. Uh, President Trump, though, himself has been on record saying he, he purposely downplayed the threat that this posed to the country. Yeah, I think President Trump's been pretty clear 
Um, he took actions well ahead of what the World Health Organization directed that we do. He took actions well ahead of what most nations did. He's worked diligently to protect the American people from this virus. Uh, we watched, we watched closely the World Health Organization conspire alongside the Chinese Communist Party to permit information to be unaccessible by the world's best epidemiological professionals. Those were the things that needed to happen in the early days, in the early week. We, we've responded in a way that's consistent with our obligation to the American people. It is a tragedy that we did not get a head start on this because the Chinese Communist Party and the World Health Organization decided they would cover up what was truly happening inside of Wuhan, China in the early days of this virus. Isn't that the same thing President Trump did by downplaying this in, in February? President worked diligently to make sure the American people had all the tools, all the access, all the resources that America can provide to keep them safe. He did that. He still does that to this day. It's, I mean, it's an, on, it's an ongoing challenge. If President Trump wins uh, the, the race this November, are you going to stay on as Secretary of State or will you follow Hillary Clinton and retire <laughs> in February of 2021? Well, I try not to follow Hillary Clinton much, uh, but the president will ultimately make that decision. I, I've had the privilege to do this now for, goodness, two and a half years or so. Uh, I still have work to do. Uh, president's reelected. I'm confident he'll sit down with each of his cabinet members and make the best decision for America. I, I still have work to do. We'll see what happens. Do you want to stay on? We'll see what happens. Right. In the end, I, I, try not to, I try to give the president all the space to make the right decision for him and for his team. Who made the decision to come here to Wisconsin? Was that your decision? Was that? Yes, yeah, my decision. I, I saw what happened to Senator Roth. I watched the good work he did, how he responded in exactly the right way from exactly the threat that the Chinese Communist Party imposes, where they ask state legislatures to act in a way that is inconsistent with the truth. And I was so proud of what he did. Um, I talked to him, and I, he, we both thought it would be a good idea if I came here. And so we've been trying to put this on for months. We finally got it figured out. Did campaign have any role in that? None. Just me. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very, much, you very much, sir. You have a good day. You too. Thank you. So there's the interview. It's, it's barely more than six minutes long, uh, which sometimes when you're dealing with these one-on-one -on -one type interviews is maybe even more than you, you often get. But you heard Jason ask at the beginning, he asked again at the end whether this was a campaign visit and Secretary Pompeo says no. But one thing that was very interesting and maybe telling was that the only people who came and listened to his speech in the Senate chamber were Republican lawmakers. There were no Democrats there. And I think it was all but one uh, Wisconsin uh, Republican lawmaker or senator uh, was present. Um, the other had, had business elsewhere. But but the Democrats Democrats essentially boycotted this. And, and State Senator Janet Buley talked about that a little bit, um, saying it was ironic that, that the GOP lawmakers were essentially more interested in hearing what she deemed as a campaign speech from Mike Pompeo than holding an active session. So, I mean, Amanda, looking at that, I mean, when you see one party attending a speech, that does give some sort of an idea whether or not this was deemed at least locally to be of, of Wisconsin importance in terms of the official business. Well, and this has been a source point for Democrats in Wisconsin for several weeks now because they have essentially been begging the legislature to convene to take up issues not just related to COVID-19, but specifically with police brutality. Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat, had called a special session on that, and uh, Republicans, the Republican-led legislature went through the motions that they had to go through, and they convened a task force, but they didn't actually take action in a session in the way that Democrats wanted to. So you have Democrats saying, well, I see you can make the trip, 
to go and, and listen to your guy and make what Janet Bewley said was essentially a campaign speech, but you can't gather to hash out legislation. That's been the Democratic response. And if you listen to this bite from Senator Bewley, you'll see how strongly they feel about that. This, to me, has uh, far more of the fragrance of a political uh, campaign activity to um, uh, bolster everyone's opinion of Trump's uh, policy with China. I mean, we shouldn't be talking about this now. If we're going to go in there and sit in those seats, it should be doing something for the people of Wisconsin right now. And it's not. Um, I've wanted to go in there and sit in that chair and get some bills passed. But instead, they're going in there and they're going to listen to Mike Pompeo. So obviously she views this as as purely a, a political speech, something that was thinly veiled. Now, that's not to say there wasn't, there, that there isn't a legitimate issue with whatever might be going on with the Chinese Communist Party, with foreign influence in American elections. Those are all legitimate issues. The question is, why now? Why give a speech in, of all places, Madison, Wisconsin? And if you look at the Wisconsin Historical Society and the Wisconsin Legislative Reference Bureau, which is a nonpartisan uh, uh, bureau, this is the first, they say, this is the first ever visit to the Wisconsin State Capitol by a sitting Secretary of State at all, much less so close to a presidential election. So it certainly raises questions about the timing of this visit and the underlying purpose of the visit. But it's not just this speech that's been criticized. Secretary Pompeo has been making a number of these stops in what would be deemed battleground states uh, where, where others are, are criticizing that and saying that they have political overtones, right? Yes. And when you look at uh, previous people who have held that position in both Republican and Democratic administrations, this is when you when you put all things kind of on, on the same playing field, considered unusual behavior, whether it uh, violates the Hatch Act or not, that's still up for discussion. But it certainly is something that is considered outside the norm. And it has fueled speculation that Pompeo himself has greater political ambitions. He's gotten a lot of questions about whether he himself plans to run for president in 2024, and he has uh, expertly dodged those questions, which he's pretty good at. Uh, but certainly the, the latest round of stops has fueled that. And he also uh, dodged uh, deftly the question that Jason asked a couple of times, which was, do you plan on continuing? Do you want to continue as secretary of state if President Trump is reelected? He said he has more business to do or more things to get done, but he was going to leave that up to President Trump. So he didn't commit one way or the other. But uh, a very interesting speech, a very unusual speech. But then again, Amanda, are we surprised that anything in 2020 uh, would be unusual? <laughs> it seems like that's the entire year. That's right. But that's also why we like to bring you these full conversations when we do get a chance to sit down with a cabinet secretary, with someone who's running for president or vice president, uh, with the vice president. You know, Jason Calvi has done a lot of these sit down interviews. And the nice thing about this format in the podcast is we can bring you that extended version because on TV we can bring you you know, one to three Snippets. minutes, depending on yeah. what time we have. Here you can really see the uh, how the questions are forming and and get the full response and that way you have even more context 
And, and, and I do think when you listen, because Jason's done a number of these, he's talked to candidate Biden, he's talked to Kamala Harris, yeah, he's done a number of these one-on-one type interviews. And what's interesting is, I know Jason would love to ask more follow-ups on some of these points and press even harder, but he also knows I've got maybe five minutes to get through my list of questions. So you sometimes have to make that decision. Do I ask a third follow-up to really press and, and pin down, or do I move on to my other topics because I'm gonna run out of time? That's a challenge, and I think uh, Jason, as we know, speaks rapidly and he has a lot on his mind and he has a lot in his notes so he gets through these things quickly i I think it's great to hear the full interviews and get that full context his story on this last night at least the one i watched had one or two sound bites from pompeo's one-on-one and a couple of things from the speech there's only so much you can put in a minute and a half story so this is a great format to be able to hear the complete interviews Yeah, and that's why we're going to keep doing this. Of course, we're going to continue bringing you these twice-weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic, the election, so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email. Our email address is fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. And thank you, as always, to the people who make this podcast possible throughout the year. That includes producer Pete, our extraordinary editor Dave Machuda, and Suzanne Barthel, and executive producer Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson, and we'll be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Tuesday. Tuesday.